you know, we are celebrating Advent and, and Advent in my home, I want to tell you about Advent. Advent in my home, I grew up where my mom would make these little calendars. You guys ever seen one of these? You guys, seen a, you guys ever make these calendars? So it was an Advent calendar. This is as far as it went for me is that every day, starting at the beginning of December, my sister and I would get to open up a little box and there'd be something inside that box. And I got to tell you, there was like levels of what was inside that window for us. The highest level for us is we had opened it up and I still remember this day when my mom put in there and said, go into the dryer. And so we went to the clothes dryer and opened it up and it said, go into the kitchen. And it was a little like scavenger hunt till we got a gift. And we got to open up this gift and we got to, yay, we got a gift. That was the highest level of the Advent month for, for me personally. There was another one that was the level below that. It happened more often than the gifts but you'd open up the little window and you'd open the piece of paper and my mom would like make me read a Bible verse. That was kind of a bummer Advent day, but <laughs> you'd have a handful of those throughout the time. Like you go, oh, verse, that's it. Well, maybe tomorrow I'm getting a gift, right? That's kind of how it worked. But there was still one even below reading a Bible verse. And you would open up the window and I would open this thing up and it would say, give your sister a hug and tell her you love her. And I remember just going like, seriously? Like, why are we even celebrating Christmas? This is so dumb. And my mom would go, give her a hug. Tell her you love her. would be like, I love you. Yeah, you know? And I remember vividly, like the worst part of Christmas was that Advent window when you'd open that up. But, but I have to tell you, here we are. We're 45 years later. And I can't tell my sister I love her enough now. So maybe it worked, you know, maybe it worked. But uh, I do remember that. Things has changed this year. Uh, this year, for the first time, and this is the first time I've done this, uh, I'm reading an Advent book by a guy named Walter Brueggemann. And uh, Alex and Laurelyn and, and Justin and I, we put it on Facebook. We have a little Facebook community, about 150 people. And one of us are posting on each one. And so every day from December 2nd, we're all, you know, a whole bunch of us are reading this chapter of this book that's Advent, talking about the coming of Christ. And we're in the discussion about it. I've never done that before. And it's been so encouraging and a blessing for my wife and I as we're reading this Advent uh, little devotion each and every day. I want to give you a definition, the simple definition of Advent, that it's a season observed in many Christian churches as a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the nativity of Jesus at Christmas. So it started this year on December 2nd and goes until Christmas morning. See, Advent was about expectation. It's about anticipation. It's about remembering what is to come. And that's where that calendar comes in, right? My mom put that calendar just to expect December 25th. We got little gifts. We got little things just to hopefully get us to that bigger gift on Christmas morning. Not Jesus, but a bike or a drum set or something like that. I still remember one of my best gifts as a kid. I got one of those little electric football fields. You guys remember electric football fields? You just put them all together, turned it on, and they just went, just, that's all it did. But we thought it was awesome for about two days, and then that went in the closet too. But it was the expectation. I mean, what other holiday do you spend a month preparing for? I mean, I'm gonna put up my Christmas lights day after Thanksgiving. Anyone else like that? Day after Thanksgiving, people, thank you, thank you. I wanted to put them up three days before Thanksgiving, but my wife was like, no, you're not gonna be that person that has our lights up early. Because I love when the lights go up. I mean, we spend a month preparing for this thing. We decorate our house. We put lights on our house. We bring dead trees into our house. 
They just sit there. You might not think they're dead, but in a few weeks, they start looking dead, right? And that's what we do. Why? Because we think that December 25th is a special day. Christmas is a special day. And whether you are a religious person or you're a non-religious person, it's a special day for different reasons understood from different people. But last week, Scott talked about the power of belief. He said this. I just love this thought that what we believe shapes how we see and experience everything in this world. We're shaped by our beliefs. And Christmas shapes everybody in some way or another. For us, we're remembering that baby in the manger. And we're giving thanks to God for that incredible, amazing gift of his son. Because we believe that that baby grew up and he ultimately showed us the power of God. He showed us the heart of God. He showed us the love of God. And for us that are Christians, that's what we're remembering. That's what we believe. That's what this story is about. Well, last week we started off this kind of Christmas season by looking at Mary. What a crazy experience was for this 12 to 13 year old girl who was betrothed to be married to find herself pregnant when she had never been with a man and how that belief impacted her life. Well, there's another person in this story, one that I don't think we talk about as much as Mary, but one that I want to tell you every single year, this person captures my heart. He captures my attention and he deeply challenges my life. And I think it's someone who had a little bit of a different experience than Mary had. What he went through, the decisions that he had to make are pretty powerful. We're going to talk about Joseph, as in Joseph and Mary, Jesus' stepdad, right? This man who had a crazy experience when it came to this journey towards the manger. As I mentioned, he faced some pretty heavy decisions. He faced them head on with a belief that he had and that belief radically impact, impacted his life. Let's see what happened. Uh, first, we're gonna look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Here's what goes on, that this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. What a powerful story here. I mean, notice the description first of Joseph's character, right? It says that Joseph was a righteous man. It just means he was a virtuous man. He was an upright man. So how does a righteous man deal with this reality that he sees with Mary? Okay, now remember, Mary heard from this angel that she was going to have a baby through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then she finds herself pregnant. I just want us to think about this. Mary didn't have a huge choice here, in my opinion. She was told this was going to happen. She might have even doubted it for a couple days, but maybe that first morning that she threw up, she started to believe what she heard. Or as Scott said, I'm having bad spaghetti here, or what's going on? Then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, some of you ladies, right, you knew like within a day, right, I'm pregnant, you know. 
Man, I mean, it, how long did she have to have faith? How long did she have to trust what she heard? It wasn't really long before she knew that she, she was pregnant and she was with child. And she had the privilege. She had the privilege of knowing maybe the only person on the planet at that time to know that she had never been with a man. Now we have Joseph. Oh, come on, guys. He has a different experience, does he not? As he is betrothed as this woman that he loves, and he realizes and finds out that his future wife, who he had not yet been with, is pregnant. What a dilemma. So what is he going to do? Well, the Bible says that he chooses that he's going to put her away, like divorce her quietly. Why? Why was he going to divorce her quietly? Well, it says that he did not want to disgrace her. He didn't want to open her up to public disgrace. If you weren't here last week, you're going to listen to Scott's message that talked about how disgraceful the situation was. They probably faced that disgrace together, even being married and some of the things you see later on. But the idea that Joseph would just like divorce her publicly and say, man, this, this woman's not my, you know, not my kid and really be able to turn it on her, he had that option. But he decided to think about her. It seemed like he was more concerned about Mary than himself. It was Mary's reputation that the Bible says he wanted to protect. That he wanted to protect her from this public disgrace. How different would it be if this happened today? I mean, Joseph would jump on Instagram right away, right? Start tweeting out, man, this ain't my kid. This woman's like messing around behind my back. Instagram would be blowing up. How many, you know? I mean, come on, I know we don't ever hear about things like that on social media. It's all over the place. Such a powerful, awesome story of this man, Joseph. And, and, and it's, this is the real reality, it's that, is that before Joseph even knew that his son was going to be the son of God, he made a selfless decision. Before he even knew, before he had that experience with the angel, he made a selfless decision. If you've been with us over the last couple of months, we've been going through the creed, right? We've been looking at Philippians chapter two. And right in Philippians chapter two, what we see in Joseph is the exact attitude that the writer of this creed in Philippians is talking about. This attitude of Jesus Christ. Look at it, Philippians chapter two. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. I loved how last week we just looked at Mary and how she was chosen by God and how even the term that was used for her, being highly exalted, this idea Scott kind of unpackaged that that term was used for kind of like the, the higher level in society at that time, not for someone like Mary. No doubt God chose Mary to carry the Son of God. But you know what? Every year I think about Joseph. And every year I sit there and think to myself, I wonder if God was really choosing Joseph. And God said, yeah, I'm going to choose Mary. She's special. But I'm going to choose Joseph because I need this man to raise Jesus to be selfless. Because it's kind of interesting. You see the heart 
and the attitude of Jesus and Joseph, and Joseph was the father of Jesus. So it's just a beautiful reality. And here's what I wanna challenge us for, this first point, is that during this Advent season, may we consider the attitude we see in Joseph and make the decision to put others above ourselves. The good thing is, is we only have a week left of Advent. Just asking you for a week, right? Then you can go back to your selfish ways. We're just doing this for Advent. But maybe for the next week, you can consider how to put others above yourselves. I, I mean, Dallas Willard is one that has always challenged me where he, he talked about how do you grow in your faith? And he said, what's the next right thing you know to do, do? And this idea of the attitude we see in Joseph, who's the next person to put above yourself? How are you gonna do that? Who is that person? Maybe it's the person sitting next to you that's already elbowing you, right? Going, are you listening to this? Maybe it's your kids. Kids, maybe it's your parents that you wanna put above yourself. But to have this attitude that we see in him, to put others above ourselves. Maybe it's this Thursday when you have that family Christmas party and Uncle Bob's gonna be there. And you're already going like, I don't want to hang out with Uncle Bob. Maybe putting him above yourself means you're just gonna talk and listen and hear his story again. Care for him. Man, I've been challenged by Joseph. But things change in Joseph's life. It changes, and it changes in a big way. I mean, he's probably still reeling with just trying to wrap his head around this idea that the woman that he is betrothed to Mary that he loves is now pregnant from some other guy. The emotions that she's dealing, he's dealing with, choosing not to ruin her reputation and destroy her, but to divorce her quietly so that she can continue to live life without just being so destroyed. And then look, in the midst of that thought, look what happens in verse 20 of Matthew 1. But after he'd been considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So man, right in the middle of considering what to do, kind of had made the decision to do it, this angel appears to him, telling him to don't be afraid, but take Mary, take Mary, that Mary's baby is from the Holy Spirit. And this baby is gonna save his people from their sins. I mean, what's he gonna do with this new situation and this new information? How's he gonna handle this? I mean, this could be risky. This could be risky for him. I mean, it's a dream for goodness sakes. It's a dream. I mean, I can imagine him waking up from this dream and just coming out and going, like, man, making a super dark pot of coffee and just going and sitting out there going like, what just happened, you know? Let me just get my head around this thing. Was this a dream? Was it not a dream? Come on, you all have dreams, right? Do you wake up from dreams and make major life decisions from it? I sure don't. I, I question every dream that I have. And this is different here from what we see in the other stories. We have, other, we have angels appearing to other people. We saw an angel appear to Mary, and we're going to see these angels appear to the shepherds. But I find it different 
Because it seems like to Mary and the shepherds, these angels just appear in the middle of the day somehow or whenever. They're awake, they're there. A matter of fact, in both instances, they are terrified. Mary, it says, is terrified. And it also says that the shepherds are terrified. And I find it interesting what the angel says right, of, right off the bat. Do not be afraid. So it says that they're terrified. And then the angel says, do not be afraid. That's not how this works out, it seems like, with Joseph. Joseph's is a dream. And what's interesting is it doesn't say Joseph was terrified. And when the angel says, do not be afraid, what he says is, do not be afraid to do what I'm going to tell you about. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is a different experience. What is Joseph going to do? How is he going to respond to the word from the Lord that comes to him in a dream? Well, look what he does in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Now, I, th I think he probably took some time to think about this. Had to wrestle through, but he chooses to obey. He chooses to obey. He decides not to break up with Mary, but to trust that what he heard was from God. So that even though it was just a dream, we need to know that Joseph, next slide, Joseph believed what he heard and it changed the direction of his life. That is huge. He believed what he heard and it changed the direction of his life. And he becomes the father of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're thinking, yeah, man, if I could have angels appear to me in dreams, that would help me a lot to make some decisions. Really? Is that how you operate? I don't operate like that in dreams. I question every dream that I have. I want my dreams to be done and gone as fast as possible. I mean, if I was going to have an angel come before me, it's got to be like Mary or shepherd kind of angel. I got to be in the middle of Walmart and this angel's got to like appear in front of me. He's got to be like 12 foot angel. It can't be like five foot angel dude that says he's an angel because I've had people do that to me before. He's got to be like, this is an angel. I am convinced this is an angel. That's the kind of angel I need in order for me to buy into that. That's just me. And maybe you're one that's waiting. You read this story and go, oh yeah, angel, talk to me, talk to me. I just want to encourage you with something. I believe we have something that's way more trustworthy. I think that there's an easy, something out there that's even easier to understand than having dreams and trying to interpret, it, interpret what they mean. I'm not saying that we don't. I'm not saying that God can't work in that way. But I think we have something that's even more clear. You see, that baby in the manger, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, he grew up and it says that he was the word of life that became flesh and dwelt among us. He showed us the heart of God through his teachings and through his life example. Jesus spoke. He made some things very clear that he wants us to know. 
Look at Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one says this, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. So he spoke through prophets and in different ways. And I think that could be like to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. He spoke to them. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You see, we have something more clear. We have the life and the teachings of Jesus. The life and teachings of Jesus give us clarity and guidance in our everyday lives. The life and teachings of Jesus gives us clarity and guidance in our everyday lives. Man, I understand, and I, it seems like so many times people can almost feel like just restricted and like almost paralyzed from making any decision because you're afraid you're gonna make the wrong decision and what does God want us to make and what direction does he want me to go in and what does he want me to do in my life and why is this happening and I hope this thing works out and how's he gonna work it out and what's going on and was this a good decision or a bad decision and we almost get just scared to make any decision and we're gonna make the wrong one. I could even say, and, and this is me, I, I'm just, you're going to be exposed to Steve's brain a little, and it might be different than yours, and, and I hope it doesn't offend anyone, but it's kind of where I get to at times. Even when people say to me, like, I know that God is moving, or I, I know that he has a plan in all this, or I know he's going to work this all out, and he's got this, I just got to tell you, in my life, that can stress me out sometimes. I get stressed out trying to figure that out or trying to think that in a way some, some piece is moving together and I, I hope I make the right thing or how's this going? I mean, I, that can just get me. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you that there's something that I believe in, something that's been planted and taken such deep root in my soul and in my mind. It, 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 it pretty much has captured me deeply. And it's a belief by which I can see the world around me and my place in it. And it's this. It's that Jesus showed us the love of God and wants to empower us to show it to others. I know that might sound super simple, but I think this is like so deep and heavy in our lives. Like, like, this is what I think about daily and I try to wrestle through in my head to keep this belief and trust that I'm loved by God through Christ and I'm not trying to find it through all my circumstances just aligning right. That's just not where I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it in the truth of what Christ did and what he put on display and letting that sink deeply and trust and believe I'm loved by God, whatever happens. And then the call and in being empowered to love and to show that love to others. Matter of fact, in my heart and mind, if I was at Walmart and 12-foot angel showed up and just like was right there and I knew this is an angel and I'm going, yeah, baby, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Give me some instruction that this angel would look at me and go, here's what I want. I want you to know that you're loved by God through Christ and I want you to go love others. I said, no, but wait a minute, man. I need to know which car I'm supposed to buy. And you know which job I'm supposed to take. I got some big decisions here, God. Yeah, I know. And here's the answer. Know that in it all, you're loved by God through Christ and you just go love others. And I have a feeling that would just be like, drop Mike, angel would disappear. And I'd be like, all right, is that it? 
This has changed my life. It's, it's, a, it's a daily conscious thought. It's not easy. This changed how I parent in a lot of ways. And what does it mean to love my kids and really to put them above myself? And how does that look? And, and I, halfway through parenting, I made some major changes. I don't think I was doing this in the way that I could. This has changed me as a husband. It really has. Like, how do I handle this? And how do I deal with my wife who's very different than me? And I haven't always done that. Man, this is all I can handle, right? I don't need any more lessons from the angel. I'm working on this every day of my life. Right now, my family and I are dealing with this with my mom. As my mom is getting to a place where she might not be able to live on her own anymore and she might need to come to our house. I know some of you have made that decision, haven't you? And it's not an easy one. It's a life-changing decision. And I, and I married to a woman that was on the Enneagrams at the marriage retreat was a number one, which I call perfectionist. They call it something else. She needs to fix everything, and she really takes responsibility of that. She's wonderful, but she kind of sometimes, we have a discussion the other day where she kind of looks at my mom who's going to be 80 here soon, and her body's kind of really, really falling apart. And I think my wife gets this understanding that if we do everything right, my mom's going to become 50 again. That's her thought. That's her thought. If we do it right, we're going to help. We're going to fix. And I finally remember I told my, mom, my wife, I go, honey, my mom is not going to do anything but get worse. All I want her to do is know how deeply she is loved until the day she goes home and is with the Lord. That's why we're bringing her in. And that ain't easy for me. I don't have the greatest background with my mom all the time. And this is, this is the step. I'm wrestling with this just like you are in your decisions. But I do believe and I do trust that if I was to sit there and have this be this focus, this is the angel, this is the dream, this is God speaking, this is the word of life becoming flesh dwelling among us and teaching us, I have all I can handle for the rest of my life to keep this on the focus and how am I going to live this out in every situation and circumstance and with the people that are around me. Look at John chapter 15. This is Jesus. Jesus grew up out of that manger and he said this as he got older. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. So I do know that as I walk and follow him, I remain in this deep love of God that I experience. Just as I have obeyed my father, he says, commands, and I remain in his love. I've told you this, why? So that your joy, may, my joy may be in you. God's desire as we're walking in this idea is that his joy is in us. And check this out, and that your joy may be complete. And here's my command, love each other as I have loved you. So to know the depth of his love for us and then to know that he wants to empower us to love others. I don't think there could be anything more powerful in our lives and in the lives of those around us that if during this Advent season, we have focused on remembering the life and teaching of Jesus, giving thanks for it, and then focusing on how we might love as he has loved us in and through Christ. It's a powerful truth. And every day, I hope that we can sit there and see that we have been spoken to, right? In this day, he has spoken to us through Christ and that we can go out and live this out. So here's what I've been thinking this week in closing. I've been thinking of the Advent calendar and I've been thinking every day I'm opening that window. 
And what's been in my head is that every day I open that window, here's what it says. Believe you are loved by God through Christ. Now take a risk and go love others today. Every day, believe you are loved by God through Christ. Now take a risk and go love others today. And it struck me, maybe my mom was onto something. Maybe she was onto something. As she spoke those words to my sister and I, give your sister a hug and tell her you love her. Father, thank you so much for Joseph, for his example of putting Mary above himself even before he knew what was going on, you see that righteousness, that, that virtuous man come out that, that says, I, I'm, I don't want to defame her name. I, I want to help her to face as little backlash as possible. Oh, to think of his situation and that he can do that. What a, what a beautiful example to us. And then as he hears your word, and even talk about a man that needed to have faith and belief. I mean, it could be the whole, his whole life he could have wondered if this really was real or not. But he chose to obey. Even in deep potential doubt and never knowing for sure, he chose to obey and to take Mary as his wife and it changed the course of his life forever. And God, that baby grew up and he lived this example before us. He taught these truths of the reality that we are loved by God and he was putting that on display and our call to love one another as he has loved us. God, I know sometimes we are waiting. We need to hear a sign. We need to hear a voice. I just pray that today, maybe we hear that voice of God, your voice, that you spoke through your son, that this is your command to love others as I have loved you. May that take deep root into our heart and soul. And may beginning this Advent season, we be willing to risk, love others as we've been loved, believing that that just might change the course of our lives as well as changing the course of the lives of those around us. May your kingdom come and your will be done in and through our hearts and lives as it's being done in heaven. For your glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen.